Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined by our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, who was back in the saddle this Sunday. Yeah, I, I got to tell back. you, you were back. I was back I, I, a little sore after like you haven't ridden a horse in a while. And then you if you don't ride horse. You don't know this. I'll tell you who's about to know this is Micah because we're going to go horseback riding. Young uh, in, producer Micah in the Big South Fork. And uh, first day when you get off the horse after being on it for like 12 hours, like you are aware that your legs have been in a position that they have not been in before. Muscles you've never used. Uh-huh. That was a little bit how it felt on Sunday. I was back in the saddle. I'm like, oh, I'm a little sore. Like my, it was good. My brain is stretched, but... It was good to have you back. We were finishing up our Triple Threat series that we launched at the beginning of the year, and we are at the very tail end of the series, finishing up the third of the Triple Threat, found in Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, this week was kind of diving just another layer deeper into what those gifts represent yeah. from Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. It's weird that we are in the third month of this year. That part alone is kind of weirding me out a little bit. Yeah. Like, and a year removed from pandemic ground zero. The, yeah, we are. Is this the year anniversary of two weeks to flatten the curve? Are two we weeks to flatten the curve, year anniversary. I, just, <laughs> I should have gotten a t-shirt, but I didn't. Um, a year ago. Wow. When we started this series... Um, back in January, I was I was thinking in terms of like us, like as a church family of me personally, of my children, whatever. Like, what does it mean to be a Christian in a world that is uh, we've lost control of, right? Lost control of the narrative. And as I've thought about that language more, it's not that we've lost it. It's that we never had it. We just all yeah. we had was the illusion that was shattered in front of us. And so it's like, sure. okay. What does that mean for us? And then realizing that, okay, but that's like what the Lord has in mind with these gifts, like the spiritual gifts. It isn't just something yeah. that you know about yourself. That's a nice extra thing to know. Like it's genuinely a gift that the Lord wants to deliver into this earth. And of all the ways he could have chosen to do it, he chose us for yeah. it. So we started back in January in Romans 12, right? The life gifts. And those seven things that, you know, 2,000 years of human history, everybody, Myers-Briggs, DISC, have tried to kind of make those into personality profiles and all that. But it's like right out of Scripture, it's just saying that the Lord has these seven different proclivities, uh, strengths, weaknesses, whatever you want to call it, that he's inserted inside of us. And so starting just knowing that every one of us has one of those uh, was was a tremendous amount of freedom. Yes. And then we went from there to 1 Corinthians 12. Yes. So Romans 12, that's just kind of who I am. It's how I view the world. It's how I operate. It's the, the way that I, I mean, my lens, whatever. First Corinthians 12 are those moments where the Holy Spirit, you know, pokes through from the supernatural to the natural to, uh, to make himself known. Actually, it talks about like a, a, an, an unveiling in, in that. And that's certainly what uh, we've seen around here from time to time. Yes. We certainly have seen it globally a lot. But then this last week, we went to the Ephesians 4 gifts and those are like callings i think that sometimes in our world i get them confused because i think of these as like a career more than a calling 
like we think about the, the church in general and think, okay, I need the pastor, the youth pastor, all those things. But, but he has these five very specific callings um, that, that he has for us, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. And when all five of them are firing on all cylinders, like in the church at large, I think I said it on Sunday, but this isn't necessarily the way that you govern a local church. This is literally how you empower the global church. So like we don't have a prophet on our website uh, or right. apostle, whatever. These are just gifts that are uh, proclivities. And But here's what the purpose right here. Verse 14, Ephesians 4. Then this is after, right, we've reached the fullness and uh, because these five gifts in our lives, uh, operating apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be, I love this, influence. This is the New Living Translation. When people try to trick us with lies so clever, they sound like the truth. <laughs> sound familiar? Right? Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And then verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Like that is his plan for like our church, for Graceland Church across the street, but for the global mm -hmm. church. And he chose these five gifts to do that with. And when you see that, uh, that sentence, blown about by every wind of new teaching and gosh doesn't that feel like like today like literally like right now whether it's the news or the media or social media yeah we're all over the place and in my in my version the version i use which is the esv esv which is probably like one it's the reform. version removed from new king james is it version, it's like the reformed version which you know originally i was using the king james version and then man i sold some wild seeds and opened up the new King James version. Wow. <laughs> and then really got crazy and picked up the ESV. So, and you have not been able to really make it to the NIV. Yeah, <laughs> no, right? no, 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 that's way too far. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but in that, in the ESV, it says, uh, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine. And, uh, we were talking about a little bit before this is it's, it's, it's a bit like being seasick, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, Constantly rocking back and forth and with so much happening in our world right now. I mean, if these past 13, 14 months have proven anything is that there are a lot of uh, people being tossed back and forth in their beliefs. And yeah. not even, not in just their beliefs, but in what they're being told to believe. It changes. It feels like it changes all the time. Yeah. It feels like it because it does. Yeah. And it's in... in according to scripture that's that's childish it's immature um all of these adjectives that are not very becoming of especially of believers who are should be grounded in the truth um but there's just so much information coming whether it's in the church or you know these spiritual cultural wars that we're having um or just these ideologies that are pushing up against traditional orthodoxy yeah it's exhausting and feels a bit like being seasick. It, I, I wonder if you, um, like you listen to comedians, like 
I remember Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock. Uh, I think it was at a Comedians in Cars getting coffee episode, but they were kind of talking about what they can and can't say now and how it's actually become impossible to even for them to tour and perform at colleges, not because of COVID, but because they don't know what they can and can't say without getting canceled. So they just rather wouldn't go right. at all. And so if you've got people that are in inside the culture saying, like, it's so wavy that I don't even know what, like, I'm throwing up right now. I, I don't even know what to do anymore, so I'm not doing anything. The it's irony a, is unbelievable. It, it is, because it's not like some of the, you know, do we as a culture learn and things evolve? We, Yeah, we do learn. We, we There's things that we used to think were this or, or now that. But that's not what's happening right now. What's happening right now is it's like this nebulous sort of crowd mob that yeah. is deciding... Uh, it's almost like AI. Like, I don't even know who is the one that gets to decide this of, of how we're going to be outraged about it. And that's in the in the secular liberal world. They're feeling it. And if you think about it from a Christian perspective, we've kind of felt that for a while as it relates to outside the church walls. There are certain things that we believe, like I believe that the biblical context of marriage is between one naturally born man and one naturally born woman. And 10 years ago when we started this church, saying that uh, might have gotten somebody mad or whatever, but it wouldn't have you know, uh, gotten me canceled. But now like, there's the risk of if the mob gets hold of that, like that is a very uh, controversial thing to say, but it's true. Right. And... Going back to these five gifts, I think part of why we're here as a church, and I, I don't speak just for conduit, I'm speaking really globally, but specifically the Western churches, when you've lived in a world without an apostle, a prophet, right, an evangelist, like, the, the prophets, that's kind of what they do. They're just saying the truth in love, but it's true. We were talking a little bit ago, but you know, what is the difference between going on the offense and being offensive, because it says here, you'll speak the truth in love, but the truth sometimes uh, is offensive, right? Like, it, just because it's offensive doesn't mean it's not true. Especially to a culture that is so far removed from the truth, or maybe better stated, so far removed from understanding that there is an absolute truth. Right. I think it's kind of what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a culture that can can fill in their own blank like can there there is no absolute there are no absolutes in modern american culture right. right now but isn't it funny though because they've that's what we've been on for a long time this there is that we're in the post-truth the whatever era postmodern era until we figured out but there are some things that must be true because- <laughs> except for the fact if you disagree yeah like it's just the the irony just continues. It just yeah. it's constant. Unless you disagree, then then that is then they're offended, which means something must have been true to begin with. Yeah, yeah. That is um, when I think to it, one of the gifts that we got in this past four years was like we finally got guys like Brian Stelzer, you know, Chris Cuomo to say that, okay, there are, apparently there are things that are true and not true, right? Yeah. Like that apparently is, like, that was not a foregone conclusion four years ago, but suddenly they're like, suddenly there is something that's true and not true, and which is a gift and to us because that is 
what the Bible makes the claim to. And I guess where we find ourselves, and this is why the waves of doctrine, when it talks about these waves of teaching, is that if there is no plumb line for this of what is true and what is not true, then everybody makes it up and it literally has become a competition over who gets to be right as far as what is true or not. And that's what's become exhausting to me. This, the Dr. Seuss thing was, to me, frustrating because you know, it, 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 the, the claim was made that these pictures are uh, offensive, and, and it, but I, the question was, should we protect their right to put a picture out there that is offensive? In other words, do we just take this away because somebody was offended by it? And uh, the talking points, you could, like, you could tell, it's, it's hilarious how fast a talking point can make it across the web because it was all the same thing. Well, the Dr. Seuss Foundation canceled it. They weren't forced to which is at best a disingenuous description of what happened. There was a foundation of quote-unquote scholars and educators that came together and said these things were offensive and went to the Dr. Seuss Foundation, who then, only after that, now, maybe they agreed with them, maybe they didn't. We'll never know. We know this, had they disagreed with them, Right. They'd have been absolutely castigated and on the front page of every newspaper because the, all of a sudden there's this new truth claim with it. Now, we also live in a culture where simultaneously, besides these images that were considered offensive, you've got Cardi B and yeah, the Grammys, the Grammys, and their their demonstration of art. <laughs> is that what that's called? That's what it's called. Because it made me blush. Is I'm sitting with my wife going, "Oh, I don't think I can say that out loud." Is absolutely and totally recognizable as inappropriate. Yeah. Right. Anyone except for the folks perpetrating it. Right. It, it's, it makes no sense. Which is why it's exhausting, why it's back and forth between every wind. Because on this hand, I'm like, okay, this is offensive. I didn't realize that was, but now I need, I need to be offended by now. And one of the pieces I read about it, it was actually saying that it wasn't that, uh, that you have to be racist now. It's that you have to be sufficiently anti-racist which is about as nebulous of a goalpost as I can think of. How do you know when I am anti-racist enough? Simultaneously, I've got daughters, right, that are uh, being taught by our culture that Cardi B, God you know, loves her, wants her just like the rest of us. But that's another wind of teaching that is out there that is a slippery little slope. It was... I was actually reading a piece just last week um, talking about anti-trafficking organizations. And it was uh, it's from Vice, so go figure, it was sure. liberal. But here's the problem that the author has. In a world where we want to make uh, sex work uh, just like any other job, like you're a trash worker or you are a banker, there are sex workers it makes it complicated when there are people out there trying to rescue people from sex trafficking. How do you know which one is trafficking? How, which one is, is legitimately there? Wow. You know, how do you build an industry where you want toxic masculinity to be gone, but it's actually toxic masculinity that powers sex work, right? You go to Thailand, there aren't windows full of young boys everywhere. It's young girls everywhere yeah. because the Romans one fallen man, is going after that not after and so it's because there is no truth it's like there's a wind of doctrine here and a wind of doctrine here and it's why back to the apostle the prophet evangelist shepherd teacher from a church standpoint 
we need all of those working to make sure that we're teaching that uh, the, the, not just any truth, but the truth in love. And if I'm trusting the Grammys to do that for me, <laughs> literally by this time next year, it's going to change again. Yeah. And by the next year, it'll change yet again. Which is the which as, that's why I think this wind of doctrine that phrase is like the most perfect description. Wind. Like you can't grasp it. It's oh, yeah. not foundational. It's not solid. It's wind. Like you can't even see it. You can feel the, right. all the changes of it coming and going and moving around up against you. But you can't build anything on wind. You can't have anything foundational upon air. And you sure as heck can't control it. And you can't control it. It controls you. That's right. And when you're in a sailing situation like Paul was using this kind of nautical language, man, if there's anything that guy knows is what happens when you're in a place where the wind is controlling you and you are not controlling it. And us, our local church, our global church, uh, we need a, a, a renaissance of the apest of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher, because these doctrines are going to continue to blow. And what if we have them? I mean, we were talking about it earlier too, but we're so blessed. And I know many churches are, but we're so blessed that even with our children, uh, Joey Prophet, our kidman guy, yeah. he doesn't dumb this stuff down even a little bit for our kids. No, no. And I love that. So if you, if you go and hang out with him on a Sunday in his class, you will see handfuls of elementary age school children completely immersed in his teaching. And this isn't just like, you know, Jesus and the five loaves and the fishes and, you know, right. the, the no puppets anywhere to no be found. Puppets. No. Uh, what was the, what was the, the thing we used to use when we were kids? Uh, the little felt flannel, flannel, oh, flannel graphs. I uh, see, but you, Man, most, I grew up on the flannel graph. That's kind of funny to me. That actually shows that you were in a 1611 <laughs> King James only church. Cause by the time you were in kids church, flannel graphs had been retired for most of the church world. Well, maybe, but that's the foundation of my <laughs> entire spiritual right. journey, um, as a child. But I mean, they, these kids are immersed in scripture and, and he's going through hard passages through the Old Testament, like he took, he has taken him through, through passages of scripture that I don't even know that we would teach on a, on a Sunday, uh, in, in big church just because they're complicated, right? right? Not that we would avoid those, but he just has this way of making the, the hard things, uh, simple and, and understandable and digestible for a child. And to me, that's just evidence, or that is an example of going on the offense yeah. And taking ground back from the enemy that is going after your kids, our kids, culturally speaking. I mean, it's it is getting younger and younger the ways in yes. which the enemy, Satan, spirits, uh, spiritual darkness, those that are uh, in, in the spiritual realms are inserting themselves into our kids lives to take away their innocence, to have them question everything Um. And so to go on the offense is to teach the hard things and to teach the word to build up their faith on the foundation of scripture. And Joey's calling, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, that guy's a teacher all day long, man. Yeah. All day long. Romans 12, 
gift of encouragement is what Joey has. That's how I experience him. You never walk out of a room with Joey where you don't feel like laughing or something good and encouraged and inspired. But because he's got the gift of teaching with him, uh, those kids that are feeling real good about it are also walking out knowing things. Because you said it, Mo, like one of the things that a teacher does is you make it so that it's repeatable and replicable. Like yeah. it's, I didn't just hear it, but I've learned it from you. Yeah. And, and which is one of the differences between the way that Joey teaches and I teach, right? I've come at it from the apostle side, the sender, the, the starter, the, I have this ability to dump it all out there, but to make it so that you walk out going, okay, I need to do X, Y, and Z. Sure. Um, people don't know this about me, but I've been working with a, <laughs> with a coach. I know what you're about to say. Oh, I, <laughs> I don't think she listens to this. So I won't, I won't get the, oh, but good. I mean, but here's, I'll be mean, honestly, I, as, so true story. I thought, Everybody knows this, that I was going to start this church and then God would bring the real pastor and I'd get on with my life. Um, <laughs> Hand it off like yeah, in a yeah. relay race. Yeah, you're Mo, here's the keys, you know, have fun. Um, and, and it's not that I, I mean, I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this. I'm assuming for a while. But I thought that because I never, I never fancied myself a, a teacher, which I know is confusing because I've got the gift of teaching from Romans 12, right? It's one of the reasons I gave that a different name discerner discerner because, yeah because the language is different in greek and it's a different idea that I, it isn't about being able to make something replicable it's literally about connecting dots and connecting ideas understanding and so that, yeah so i don't necessarily uh look forward every sunday to coming in to make it make sense because i'm up here like it's almost like uh do they still have bingo on the tv or uh the uh the lottery where they the little the little balls are popping oh, in there yeah. and the whatever numbers pop up right 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 that's what it's like in my brain yeah it's just dumping around, and I'm just hoping that, that whatever balls are popping up there, that it happens to be a sentence that is somewhat like replicable, right. like that I can understand that. That said, I'm realizing that I'm going to be doing this a while, so I've been working with, uh, her name is Eva Daniels, and she works with uh, Dave Ramsey and uh, helps some of their people to craft their sentences. And, and I bet, uh, gosh, so Eva, it's been about two months, she hasn't been working with me. The one thing I hear over and over and over and over and over and over again is, okay, but there was nothing actionable about that at all. Like, practical takeaways. Practical, what do I do about this moment? I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, I just thought that was fascinating and it's in the Bible. And so, so she's been working with me to learn a skill to add to the apostle thing that I got cooking. And Joey just gets that. Yeah. He just gets that stuff. Yeah. And in the same way, Joey is not going to be the apostle, you know, parachuting into Burma or whatever, because that's just not what he's right. called to do. But, but together, our gifts work well, at least in our local church. And of course, you know, Mo's job gets to his guardian gift from Romans 12, the shepherd from Ephesians 4. He gets to clean up all of our messes uh, and protect the sheep, even from us, from our own stuff. <laughs> Which um, in, you know, Ephesians four sixteen, when each part is working properly, yeah, makes the body grow, healthy things grow, yeah, so that it builds itself up in love. And that's, that's the point. And, and we've certainly seen, I, I've seen it, I know we've seen it, when we just take a step back and, and I guess if there was even actionable in it, to just to say to some folks, hey, you've got the gift of evangelism here. Like you've been called to this. This is the gift that Jesus is, is giving you to the body of Christ. You are probably, especially if you're part of Conduit, frustrated because we're not seeing salvations every week. We're not seeing people get baptized every week. And I would suggest maybe that you are, uh, you're, what you think is frustration might be God poking at you to 
go do what I've called you to do. Yeah. We need evangelists in here, right? We need uh, shepherds. We like when I say I'm one of the pastors, that's, that's a true story. I mean, that. I mean, I've right. got a role that I fill here, but as long as I stay in my lane and most stays in his and Micah stays in his, like we're all getting it done. Um, when you go on in Ephesians four, by the way, and read more of what he's saying here, I'm realizing that Paul could have written this literally last week to uh, the church in America. Verse 17, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. He was speaking of uh, the Roman culture, like the, the wisdom of this world. He referred to it in 1 Corinthians. For they are hopelessly confused. Wow. Right? Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts mm. against him. Verse 19, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Like that, wow. living as children of light in that world is what he's calling us to do. And I don't think he's saying this to cast shame on them. It's to say that, hey, look, there's a reason why at some point every behind the music ever, do they still make behind the music? I don't think so. Oh gosh, I'm old. If you think about every uh, behind the music, for those of you old enough to remember that, whether it was Billy Joel or Bon Jovi, they all have the same dadgum story. I was rich, I was famous, I had drugs and I had women, I had everything, and I was miserable and suicidal and alone yeah. because it didn't pay off. And so Jesus, the gift is like, look, that, that seems right, but don't live like that because he says in verse 20, that's not what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That's not like a bummer and a burden for us. Like putting on the nature of God is a big deal. Like yeah. we get to be the representative of Jesus in the world there's a reason why we can't even now we shouldn't have a year ago we shouldn't have six months ago and we better especially not now be cowering behind our church walls waiting for help to come like we are the help like if we're hiding out the world that's waiting for us to come and help is waiting on us and we're sitting behind the walls hiding that's just not how he wired us to be yeah. it's not what he's created us for and I know that I, I speak for churches all over the country and all over the world, that this is like the season we're in right now, this is what we were made for. Like this is what the church is made for. Yeah, to, to, to rise up. Yes. Rise against. Yeah, when Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, not, not against you, not against me, but the church, which is us, right? The ecclesia, the called out, this, the apes, the, the Romans 12, the 1 Corinthians 12. He said that the, the, uh, the church will rise up. Uh, Matthew 16, I'm, I'm going to just read it because I've already started mentioning it. Verse 13, Matthew 16, 13, he said that uh, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his people, who do people say the Son of Man is? Um, Jesus, actually, if you read a few verses early, it was they were on their way to Jerusalem. And what's wild, uh, and I didn't know this until I was there in Israel myself, and those of us going back in February will see this, 
Caesarea Philippi and Galilee is not on the way to Jerusalem. Like if you're in middle Tennessee, it's like saying, I was heading to College Grove, but when he came to Cool Springs, from yeah. it's not on the way. Right. Right. He was making a point here that's really interesting. And that was this Caesarea Philippi was like the literal ground zero of the religious, the religion idea uh, of that time. And it, uh, there's this place there. They actually, it's literally called the gates of hell, the gates of Hades. And when you go, you see it. It's literally still there. There's this giant cave, this giant opening that goes into it. And the, the, uh, the Greeks, the, the, the Gentiles believed there that that was where the God Pan originated yes. from. And uh, Pan, this idea, uh, this Roman deity, honestly, you think of what, you know, Peter, Pan, like the, this idea is baked into culture. What Jesus was saying here that was so controversial, pan meaning all, like every right. Romans were not offended when Jesus would have, if, if Jesus would have stopped and said, I am a God, that would not have been that offensive to them at all. Would have been offensive to the Jews, but not to the Romans. When Jesus says, I am the God, right. the way, the truth, the life, that was offensive right. to the Roman people. And that is what got him killed, which is why we have to be careful. Just because someone was offended doesn't mean it wasn't true. Yes. In our culture right now, that seems like if I say something that if someone's offended, that's the litmus test for it's not true. And, I, and I've quite frankly lost count of everybody that's been canceled at this point for speaking truth. Like, I, I is there a tal- is like is there a website we can go to? Cancelled.com? <laughs> Cancelledculture.com? <laughs> to Actually, that's out, pretty good. Somebody write that down. To figure out who, who what you can or can't say, or, I mean, even, even the far left are they're cannibalizing themselves at this point wouldn't it be exhausting to be a liberal right now like, like how do you keep up with this this whole thing look i'm gonna and i look i swear we're among friends here i would be honest with you if i did i don't watch the bachelor i just don't neither do i right but i know a lot of my friends do and they've been very funny about it whatever but I, you know it's not anyway i just want to say out loud i'm not lying because people are probably going to say oh he really <laughs> does and he's lying i, I really don't I don't have a dog in this hunt. I don't know who this host was. Like, I don't know. But they were offended about a sentence that he said that wasn't sufficiently anti-racist enough. Oh, man. Meanwhile, you got a, a guy. This whole show is based on how many girls can he bed and decide, like, they're auditioning for it. Like, that, right. the, that's the world that it's in, and they're offended by oh, man. this. And so the exhausting thing is, like, I, the, the part of the, uh, this was on Twitter this morning. It was trending that... Whoever that dude is, who is the host of it, who I don't know who he is, like he doesn't get to come back next year. So I don't know. Like they don't even tell you how long you got to be in time. Seriously, I don't know how long you got to be in timeout. One of the producers, one of the guys, he's been there forever, I guess. So he doesn't get to come back next time because he wasn't sufficiently anti-racist enough. And I got to tell you, that'd be exhausting because I'm sure. I mean, this ABC, right? These guys are liberal. Like the the whole point of the story was it? uh, It was in Bloomberg. I think it was a Bloomberg article. You know, that ABC is, is struggling because they weren't racist, anti-racist enough on it. And again, ABC, Disney, which just fired the Mandalorian girl. So, right. so she's canceled. This guy's canceled. But that, I don't know, that I don't know, it feels exhausting to me. Here's what I know is not exhausting. The claim that Jesus makes here, right, that... Because uh, he says, you know, some say I'm Elijah. He's saying this to his disciples. Some say, you're Elijah. You know, some say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And... But what about you? He says, like, what about 
you. Who do you say I am? Yeah. And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And there's this Jordan Peterson video that's been floating around that I just saw. Uh, Jordan Peterson, people have a lot of opinions about him. Mm. One of the things you cannot say about Jordan is that he's dumb. Like that dude is one of the most brilliant minds on the planet. I don't even know how his brain, <laughs> right. like his wife has got to be so lonely right? because he just thinks all day long. But the video floating around of him talking about how terrifying this, this is a grown man like in tears Yeah. that if, if this is the most, I find this the most plausible that Christ is who he said he was. What would that mean if I fully believed that it's terrifying were his words. Right. And if you haven't seen it, Google Jordan Peterson Christ, I'm sure it'll pop up. One of the first videos. It's fantastic. It was chilling to me. Because when Peter says this, Jesus, he said, Peter says, you're the Messiah. Uh, and, and Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. And this is the line and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Uh, verse 19, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples, do not tell anyone he was the Messiah. Right? They're, <laughs> they're headed down to Jerusalem. At that point, he needed this to come out at the time it was going to come out. He's, he's just weeks from being crucified at this point, And he knows it, or just days, actually, from Matthew 16. The journey is beginning to Jerusalem because... Uh, Part of him being Messiah meant that he was going to need to die on our behalf. Peter, coming back to that, on this rock, he means the church. The church on this rock, the rock of who Jesus is, that's what I'm going to build my church on. And so for us, when we come together as a church family, uh, we're not here just to sing. We're not here just to listen to a nice uh, TED talk. Like We're here to change the world, too. Literally, the gates of hell shall not prevail is a very offense term, not defense. Yes. He did not say the gates of the church will stand up against the enemy. It's the exact opposite. We're supposed to be charging the gates of hell. Yes. And, and, I, and I, I'm, what I'm thankful for is that we have a church family that is on board with that. Like, we sure do, don't we? We, we got a we scrappy do. little bunch. We, I was getting ready to say that phrase. We have a scrappy, <laughs> we have a scrappy church family, and I love that. And I, we totally recognize that that's not for everyone. That's and that's okay. That's why it talks about in Ephesians four that we are all part of the body. But I, it's hard to see other churches. This is me being very, very transparent. Um, they don't have to be as scrappy and just because you're scrappy doesn't mean you're right, but it's hard to see other churches, even locally that, that, that aren't prevailing against the darkness that are just kind of sitting back and, and letting culture dictate decision-making and letting culture dictate sermon series or letting culture dictate their theology. Yeah. And, 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 and I, if I'm going to be offended by anything, I'm going to be offended by that. Yeah. Personally. Well, it, you know, for the longest time for me, I kept thinking, 
if I just ex- communicated better, if I, and sometimes people would, would actually perceive that as me not taking a position, uh, sitting on mm-hmm. the fence or whatever kind of language. And some of it, maybe that was true. Most of it was, you know, I have this ability to hold two thoughts in my head at the same time and know that right. one of them could be true and one of them is not true. And not, but I'm not scared of a, an idea that's not true. Sure. Um, but there's also a truth in that where us sitting on the sidelines while someone else is competing for truth, um, is not a great place for us to be. It's not a good look for the church no. to be quiet while someone else is uh, claiming truth and saying this is truth, saying that whatever, whether it's The Bachelor, whether it's Cardi B, whether it's Dr. Fauci, whatever it is, like for that to be, they're making a claim for truth. And so either I'm going to you know, let them just say whatever true and try to clean up or I get a, a voice at the table of what truth is. They're not going to like it. It's not necessarily going to be popular in the same way that the Romans were not interested in hearing that there was only one way, not the pan way. Our culture right now, not interested in that, that, that this is uh, that there is such a thing as, as morality. There is such a thing as truth. And so for me just to shut up because it's not popular, right? It's, it's not a good look for the church. And if, if they're going to be, and I guess what I've learned, especially in the last year is they're mad at me anyway. Yeah. So I might as well say truth and let him be mad for that. And what, of course, what do you have to lose? Love, yeah. In love, absolutely in love. Um, that is our goal. It's our calling. It's actually the way that the fruit of the Spirit, that's why 1 Corinthians 12 gifts were so important, because the fruit of the Spirit is love. So you won't find us on a street corner with the giant, you know, you're all going to hell signs and whatever. Right. Like That's not love in that. But there is love in saying the truth. Uh, yes. And I think it's magnified even more because of the work we do globally. They're not having any of these conversations yeah. about wind of doctrine or this American cultural, my truth, your truth. Like they're not having any of those conversations in the bush of Uganda. They hear the name of Jesus and they hear the truth of Jesus for the first time. And it's changing their life. Yeah. And I would, for me, as I've thought through even this last year, it was almost like science was one of the last things that I realized was, so you've got culture, you've got pop culture, you know, all that stuff. Um, I didn't realize even how much the scientific community, I knew that they were anti-Christ, but I I didn't really know of them as having their own religion. Um, And... When I talk about their religion, well, here's here's one thing that I, I see right here. There's a there's a piece that was literally released this week. Um, follow me on this. Malaria deaths are set to dwarf COVID deaths in sub-Saharan Africa. Okay, and, and what I'm saying by that is because what we've been told last year is that science is the new religion, right? It's it's either yeah. politics or it's science. And in science, they're saying that this is, and if we would just do this, we'd love our neighbors and then everybody would be saved and we've been rejected if we don't do exactly what we've been told with it. But here's why I have little interest in hearing and being lectured by, whether it's Fauci or whoever, 400,000 children a year die from malaria, okay? Wow. 100% preventable if there was enough, and this drug might sound familiar if you're listening, hydroxychloroquine. 
which is the drug that's being used to treat malaria all over the world. It is cheap. It is readily available. But for some reason, we exalted this specific disease in such a way that now is actually causing an increase of the 400,000 children that are already going to die from malaria this year. It's going to go up by untold numbers at this point. They don't have a real read on it. This is UN. This is the who. They're all, this is not like conspiracy theory stuff. And so if I'm going to be lectured by someone with this idea that if I just fell in line and did what they wanted, then we could save these people from COVID while you're simultaneously saying, I don't give a crap about children in Africa. I ain't interested in wow. listening to that. Yeah. That's maddening. Right now in the world, the number two cause of death in children, number two or number three, I, don't quote me, but Google it. You'll figure it out, is diarrhea. Like, I've been taking a lot of protein shakes, okay? Technically, some things are happening in my lower intestinal tracts that are very disappointing to my family, <laughs> if I'm being honest. And we laugh about it here because it's funny. Right. But today... In a little village in Eastern Africa, a little child is going to wake up with diarrhea and she's either going to live or she's going to die. And there is no option. There's no emodium. There's no, we could literally bury the continent in emodium. So when I hear people preaching about love your neighbors, wear a mask, fine. Right. Love your neighbors, like do something, invest in this. Get Dr. Fauci, the who, there's enough money in this world that we could have easily control just those two things alone, malaria and diarrhea. And uh, right now, this is from this article from the BMG, and I guess we should post this. Uh, but here's, this is this piece this last week. This is one of the WHO directors. She's the director of WHO's malaria program. It's likely that excess malaria mortality is larger than direct COVID-19 mortality, said Pedro Alonso, director of the WHO's malaria. Malaria killed 409,000 people in 2019, 411,000 in 2018, most of them babies and toddlers in sub-Saharan Africa. Even a 10% disruption in treatment to access to treatment could lead to an additional 20,000 deaths just this year, who warned. More plausible disruptions are 25 to 50% in the region, which would result in an additional 100,000 deaths, wow. respectively. So what I'm getting at is I'm not necessarily saying that uh, Fauci or any of these guys are evil or whatever. I'm just saying you guys are not the end-all be-all. There's a whole world out there that desperately needed you to be speaking up years ago. But for some reason, this year, the news, the, the media, the, the people that are pretending to be the, the gold standard for morality have decided to take this one as their deal. And meanwhile, another 100,000 children are going to die of malaria. Now, that said, I'll tell you there's going to be less dying of malaria. and There's going to be less dying of COVID because churches are building clinics right now in... Yeah. Uh, in East Africa, in Kawalira Village, there is a medical clinic that is fully functional and operating right now because a guy named Alex Matala, who is an apostle who just starts crap, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, in Africa, is working with a pastor named Lawrence, who is a shepherd of this community, who meets me in America. We raise money together and we build this thing. And in this little village, when someone is sick right now, they are having access to medication that you that's or I awesome. could literally go to the drugstore for. That's what the church is for. That's, that's the right. gates of hell not prevailing. Uh, literally right now, like as we speak right now, Farah Marty, who's the girl that we have sponsored as a personal family in Haiti for the past 14 years, uh, is very ill in Haiti right now. 
that she cannot get the health care that she needs. We have figured out a way. Pastor Lafleur, we call him Pastor Apostle Guy, got on a plane about two hours ago with Farah. They're headed to the Dominican Republic to oh, get wow. health care. Uh, by the way, we have a clinic there in uh, Haiti right now, but they they don't have the ability with an MRI or whatever to treat her. So even with her, like the gates of hell are not prevailing against her wow. because we're sending the body of Christ together. And to me, I feel like as a church in general, if we across America, the, the rising of the apostles, right? The rising of the thinkers, of the starters and the getter doneers, <laughs> you know, working with, local church families and impacting the culture. You know, are there atheist organizations out there? Sure. But right now you could Google it. You could find out Red Cross raised half a billion dollars for Haiti and nobody still knows where that money went. They've supposedly, you could find five houses that they built after the earthquake back in the day. Yeah. I can point to you 55 houses that were built by just our organization working with Restore yeah. Haiti. Yeah. With Churches are doing it. So the, the point I'm trying to drive at is that when it talks about like the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, uh, there is work to be done. The, the cultural war locally here, uh, let Cardi B be Cardi B, but we don't have to let her disciple our children. And we sure as heck Correct. don't have to sit back and, and watch. We can rise up, and as First Peter 2 uh, says, and let, we can let our good works silence the talk of, of crazy, foolish, uh, foolish men. Um, I, I could do that for another 10 or 20 years, right? <laughs> like, I don't want to retire from being that pastor. Like, if that's what we get to do, I'm okay with that. So what's happening in Calawira, easy for you to say. Calawira. Let's see you close now. Calabunga. Just Uganda and what's happening in Haiti in this specific instance. If somebody wanted to help sow into that, help oh, yeah. make that happen, clinics, medication, whatever it is in those places, is that something that any of our listeners could jump in to, to try to help facilitate taking ground back with actual practical needs being met? Oh, absolutely. Like if you just on the Conduit Church site, there's when you donate, there's the drop down menu. We've talked a lot about you know freeing slaves in the past uh, year. Yeah. And by the way, that fund is full. Like we've That's got amazing. We, oh, it's a, it's incredible. Like I've never seen anything capture the imagination of a people. Yeah. So fast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they can one hundred percent go on there and just choose Uganda, mm. in the in the drop down menu. Choose Haiti, in the drop down menu, and those monies go towards that very thing. And locally, we have a thing called Place of Hope. You know, we've freed prisoners of actual slavery uh, globally in our own country. This main slavery uh, that we are experiencing or seeing is opioid. Again, yes. this past year, the and they can say it's caused by the pandemic, but it's caused by the fear that has been absolutely driven by news organizations, by yes. politicians trying to scare people into obeying a better tactic might have been hey just tell the truth and then we'll do what we're supposed to do but they tried to scare people and so addiction is out of control the, the people at place of hope right now getting free i was literally on the phone with a guy earlier today named lance Ballard. he's new to our church family they've been financially supporting uh place of hope for years and they're so excited and but the point is is that we are helping them as well and if you have a heart for local to help set captives free locally that's on our church site as well 
to be a part again. And I would say, Mike, you know, if you look at Mike Coop, that's, that's an apostle guy all day right. long, right? That's true. I mean, who, who decides, hey, I'm going to start a rehab facility in Columbia. Now, Columbia, Tennessee now is like cool, right? Because you've got the, uh, the, 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 what's the guy on the TV? The, the, the antiques guy, archaeology? Oh, yeah, Mike. Yeah, that dude. Like he's building stuff down there and it's all cool and vibey. But I'm telling you, 20 years ago, Columbia was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And he puts this, you know, in an old abandoned nursing home, no heat, no air conditioning. Right. You know, who does that? Apostles do that, right? Yeah. They start stuff. They can see, you know, he's kind of one of those guys, you know, I don't know how you're going to finish it. I just know how we're going to start it. And today, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have been freed from addiction because again, the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, mm -hmm. shepherd, and teachers all coming together to build the church. Yeah, it's a great it. example. So, so we're coming to an end of this, man. Like this Sunday is going to be the last time I, I teach on the, at least from this series. Yeah, a triple threat. And I think that's what we kind of wanted to just dial into today just a little bit as we kind of put a bow on this is is that you are a threat. Like you have the skills and abilities and the gifts specifically to drive darkness back. And when those if those are not being used, it's it's sad in a, in a sense to not have the full body functioning in a way that is healthy and that can grow. Yeah. Um, so hopefully inspiring over the past several weeks and months, inspiring folks to to dive in and do the work to discover their gift. And more than just discovering it, developing their gift so they can use it. Yeah. And and, and be a part of that offensive against the enemy. Yeah, because what would you, I mean, you know, Jordan Peterson saying, what would it mean to fully, if I fully believe this, what would it mean? And I guess that's a, a, a reasonable question of what would it mean if I fully believe that God actually entrusted me with a gift that I'm supposed to give to the world? Like, yeah, what would I do with that? Like the God of the universe trusted me with something. Mm -hmm. And that's true of all of us. And I would suppose what it's supposed to mean is that we just go be obedient with what he's called us to do right. with it. I said it on Sunday and it, you know, it, it, it sort of left a gasp in the room and I didn't mean to, but it, but it did. Cause it maybe it made me gasp when I thought about it. But you know, when you're asking yourself, what, what is it that God is calling me to do? Maybe the better question is what did he call me to do already that I haven't started yet? Like what did I, right. not, what have I not done that he's called me to do? Mm. And, uh, and only each of us can answer that question, right? Yeah. Is it, in the kids ministry or is it to write the book or is it like, what, what is it that he's asked me to do that I haven't done yet? And then just start a uh, gift of teaching, gift of encouragement, whatever your gift of Romans 12 is, you know, it's going to help to show you God's will for your life. Cause you know, Mo as a guardian is gifted in such a way that if Mo tries to go live a life of an imparter, like it doesn't work so good that way because he wasn't gifted that way. Yeah. Uh, so you, you just literally start with that and then ask him where he's calling you to do it to. Uh, and if you don't know, my experience is do with what's right in front of you. Like yeah. no, someone told me a long time ago, and I've never, ever, ever forgotten. I was probably a teenager that God cannot steer a parked car. Yeah. That I got to, I got to get it out of the driveway and then he'll start to steer it. So yes. the step of faith uh, over the years, I've stumbled into things because I just left the driveway and, Correct. you know, I thought I was going one place and suddenly I'm pastoring a church like that is not, but I left the driveway and he'll, he'll steer it. So encourage you to, 
to do that, to go try some stuff. It might not be for you, right? If, if your local church, uh, every church in America right now has one of the same shortages of help, and that's with kids. Mm. And, and most of us think we're too good for that. Actually, most of us think, well, I'm not, I'm not called to do that, you know. And, uh, and, and you know, honestly, maybe some of you aren't, to be honest. Like some of you, are little, <laughs> right. maybe some of you are a little too grumpy. But, but most people that I hear say that I'm not called to do that, I'm like, well, how do you know you're not called to do that? Right. You know, if you're if you're called to be a teacher, but you're waiting for a pulpit to open up, hey, why don't you get your, uh, why don't you get, whether it's our church or someone else's church, yeah. and, and and start teaching right where you are, with it, but start delivering the gift that God has put in you because. You know, what does the Bible tell us? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. He, Paul flows right into that from this. And that's, we don't know how much time we have left, but we get to exchange it back for something good. There's a sense of urgency. There, there should be a sense of urgency. Yes. If anything that we've learned this past year is that it seems like there is a sense of urgency to have our stuff together and to be... Uh, and to be getting our getting our things together in our in our hearts and our minds, to know what we believe, and you know, out of protection and out of an offensive mindset, um, to continue to take ground. Yeah, it's not just these these things that we're saying, these Christianese, these phrases. Um, there's just a real sense of urgency. Uh, you don't have to look around too hard to see that we are in uh, we're in trying times. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, I just had lunch with Fouad Masri, and Fouad uh, leads a, a project called the, uh, the, the, the Crescent Project. Uh, Fouad is a, from Lebanon. He lives actually in Middle Tennessee. They just moved their ministry to Nashville and reaches Muslims here and around the world and uh, redeeming the time because yeah. Jesus is, is coming. But man, people are coming to Christ in record numbers around the world. Like, I love that. Jesus is literally on the move. He is waking up people, drawing them unto him. In the same way that Peter, he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but your father who is in heaven, like he is revealing to Muslims, to Hindus, to Buddhists, to communists, to socialists, to capitalists. Like he's revealing himself. And it's a great, if, if you take away all the scary stuff that the evening news is telling you, Actually, they don't even have the evening news. That's an old thing to say there. See, Micah, in the olden days, <laughs> the news came on at 5.30 in the evening. It was the only time you got the news. The news is telling us that it's all hell and it's all bad. And, is, and the world is definitely on decline. No question about it. But Jesus is on the rise in the church. Uh, I mean, this is the glorious bride that he says. He's, he's the very next chapter of Ephesians. He starts talking about this glorious bride that he's right. preparing us for that. And this is part of how we're being prepared is to go and to be a part of this great uh, harvest that's happening in the earth right now. And look, our church is just one of millions of us around the planet. And if you're listening in the Nashville area and you don't have a church family, we would absolutely love for you to come and be a part of our church family. Uh, but wherever you are, man, be looking for a church that's on the move. It's That's not just sitting still. That's not cowering behind waiting for the death blow right you know like but right. literally on the march with it because they're out there i promise you they're there I, i'm in regular contact with pastors yes who are just like us so i hope that you if you've listened and kept up with us for these last three months recognize that you with all three of these sets of gifts 100 percent are a triple threat to the kingdom of darkness Yes. knowing exactly who Jesus created you to be, uh, the, the father of Romans 12, the, 
you've been called Ephesians 4 to go do something apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, and that on the way that the Holy Spirit will manifest himself through you. First Corinthians 12, like Romans 8, man, if God before you, who can be against you? Right? Because the truth can't be stopped. Yeah. Which is the phrase that we're using for Easter Sunday. Coming in three weeks three away. Three weeks. <laughs> wow. We get to have Easter this year, Darren. Resurrection Sunday, better stated. Resurrection could not be stopped. Um, Jesus coming back can't be stopped. Yeah. The church cannot be stopped. be stopped. Conduit will not be stopped this year uh, in any form or fashion. Yeah. And so we are hosting Easter 2021 in the in the front lot. We used to say the front lawn. Yeah, that's gone. The lawn right? is gone <laughs> and it's been replaced with a lot. And uh, under the big tent, 9 a.m., 11 a.m. on Sunday, April the 4th, we are excited about Easter. And uh, what a better way if you're if you're if you want to travel and you want to come by and you want to visit Conduit, what a better Sunday than Easter Sunday. Come hang year. with us here. We would love it, man. It is going to be a good day. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Well, thank you for spending another hour with us. Uh, we hope, yeah, that you'll join us here. But we hope that wherever you are, that you are part of this threat to the kingdom of darkness, not cowering behind the gates, but charging them. Uh, with it so if they can join us uh, next time Mo yeah conduitchurch.com as always all of our information is there all of our socials just search conduit and we hope to see you soon